This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. Hey now. Hello. All right, this is Scott. And this is Rico. Hey now. What is up? What's going on? I am conjuring up in my mind the dream band. Yeah, dream band. Actually, dream band. I'm really excited about this one. Um, although it was causing me, honestly, some pain because I struggled on some of these hard, and we'll talk about that. But um, what we're doing is in the broad rock genre, if you can play it with a guitar and it's, and it's rock and roll of some form, then it counts. You can be dead or alive. It doesn't matter. I'll have my criteria. You'll have your criteria, and we'll we'll just go one part at a time. Drummers. So we've got drummer, rhythm guitar, lead guitar, singer, optional keyboard. If you want to include a keyboard, you can. I think that's terrific. And then at the end, we'll compare bands and decide if we've actually constructed a band that that could write and perform together. And uh, if we think we've done a good job, maybe we'll grade them. Can I ask you a question, though, before we get started? Hit me. Did you put bacon in your underpants tonight? Because my dog was just sniffing your crotch. I had some good control over it, too. It was like nothing was happening. <laughs> Either that or... You just introed the show right through my dog having his snout buried in your balls. I guess I'm used to having snouts by my hey balls. So. Whoa. Um, it was no big deal, man. Ain't no thing. All right. Well, very well. Very well done. Um, would you like to go first? Um, okay. I'll go first. You tell me which part of the band you want to start out with. Let's build that rhythm section. Let's do drums Drum? and bass. Okay. So let's do drums first. Honestly, this is the one I struggled with the most, and I'll tell you why. So... The theme, the theme of my band, because my band has a theme. The theme of my band goes back to my favorite quote of all times. Can I tell it to you? Let's hear it. A jack of all trades is a master of none. Hold on a second. That's only the first half, though. But oftentimes better than a master of none. So... Wait a second. A Can you, oh, trade, you lost me. Can I, will I'll you say it again. That? I may have said it wrong the first time. No, I'm a very low intelligence. So a please. jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. So essentially, what the quote, that's the entire quote actually, goes back into the 1500s. But essentially, the point of it is, is it's promoting versatility. Being uh, able to do more than one thing. Being a specialist is cool, but being a generalist makes you versatile and you can do lots of things and you can be really good at a lot of things or you can be great at one thing, but you stink at everything else. It's like cross training at a job. Exactly. It makes you more valuable if you can kind of get in where you fit in. That's precisely what I'm referring to. So the theme of my band is versatility. People who can, since, since we're encompassing the entire rock universe 
I want my people to be able to play all of that if they had to. Well, this is interesting because I've kind of took an opposite approach. Ooh, good. So we'll get we'll go I like there. that. Okay. Would so, you like to go first and tell me your drummer? Yes, my first drummer or my drummer is one. This 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 one I struggled with the most because I had a couple guys in mind. N- none of them are Neil Peart, John Bonham, or Keith Moon, if you can believe that. Um, I, I, John Bonham was the one I was struggling with, but instead, and this might confuse some people, maybe ruffle some feathers that some of those other guys aren't in my dream band, but I'm going for versatility. I'll tell you why. My drummer is Terry Bozio. Do you know who that is? I do not. Okay. Among other things, Terry Bozio was Frank Zappa's drummer, drummer in the, in the late seventies. Okay. After that. He played for the band Missing Persons. Remember Missing Persons? I do remember Missing Persons. Destination Unknown? Yeah. So he was the drummer for Missing Persons after he was a drummer for Frank Zappa. And that that in in itself, if you remember how Destination Unknown goes, it's like super synthy and poppy Mm -hmm. and really reeks of early 80s, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But Terry Bozio is on the drums. And if you know the kind of out there crazy wide spectrum of music that Frank Zappa did. He did that and he did missing persons. But the one thing that shows versatility in and of itself and to be in Zappa's band, you had to be a a musician's musician. Yes. Now Bozio was for me almost ineligible because, you know, he did a lot of, a lot of jazz, a lot of fusion stuff, especially with Zappa. But he did enough rock and pop that he had a foot in rock. So, but the one thing that that really tipped the scales for me with Terry Bozio is that Frank Zappa wrote this song. A rid part one is a drum solo. the the original The original composition was a drum solo, and then he wrote a whole second part for a band. It's called the Black Page. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. I do. I am. I'm just going to tell you straight up. I am really unfamiliar with Zappa's music catalog. Well, me, me too. Except yeah. for the Black Page. It's been on my to do list for like 40 years, and I just have never yeah. gotten around. To I watched him play a bicycle catalog. on Ed Sullivan, and then that's about it. Yeah. But no, the the Black Page is called the Black Page because of all the notes on it. And the point of the Black Page is Frank Zappa said he wanted to write the most difficult piece of music to play ever. Yeah, that was kind of like his thing, Yeah, you know? So like, he did it on purpose. It's an exercise in nested tuplets, if anybody out there knows what those are. No, sir. Nested tuplets, okay? Those are like triplets inside of quadruplets, inside of septuplets, all wrapped together like a bowl of spaghetti. It's like Oliver Stone's JFK. It's an enigma wrapped inside an enigma or something like that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so he wrote the drum solo for Terry Bozio. And if you can play the black page that's written for you, and then you can go play in Missing Persons afterwards, you're my drummer because that is ultimate in versatility. So my drummer is Terry Bozio. And if anybody wants to check out him playing the black page or he's got a crap load of videos on YouTube doing solos. Oh, here's one more thing about Terry Bozio, why he's so versatile. If you've seen his regular drum kit, it's gigantic and really impressive. But he has a separate drum kit that's all cymbals. I've watched I watched him do a, a big giant drum solo with just cymbals. That's crazy. Which those things just there's no question in my mind now. 
Terry Bozio is my drummer from my dream band. So what's your, who's your drummer? Well, just a couple uh, additional thoughts on oh, that. Yeah, just right. if anybody's interested, like, again, I don't know Zappa stuff very well. You know what? My animal, I have a cat and a dog down here that have decided to go nuts and they're distracting the mug out of me. <laughs> Especially the cat right now is losing his, his sheboinkle and I don't know why. He's going all sheboinkled on everybody. It, yeah, it's a bit much, but um, I think one of them ran away. So I think we're good now. As a as a hard rock metal guy, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, Steve Vai. Obviously, he's with the David Lee Roth band, White Snake. He did his solo stuff forever, but um, he also was with Zappa first. And so Steve Vai has done a ton of interviews that That's you can right. find on YouTube, and people always ask him about Zappa. So if you want to learn a little bit like about, just watch almost any uh, Steve Vai interview, and there'll be a section where they touch up on Zappa. Zappa made him do a lot of transcribing. I was just going to say that one of his jobs was to transpose his music onto paper yeah and it was like it was like or zappa would just he would yeah. just assign his musicians these mm -hmm. crazy tasks and just almost to just see if they could do it as know? soon as i found out that he, that was his job to transcribe zappa on the onto paper i mean i got a lot more respect for that guy because if you can transpose zappa yeah that's pretty impressive yeah yeah well steve is a monster monster player but he um, is well he's the devil remember Against Ralph Macchio? Yeah, I do remember that. Crossroads, man. Um, all right, so my drummer. Your drummer. I didn't care about, I didn't factor in versatility at all. My goal was to construct what I really honestly think would be a killer rock band. And so that was kind of, I just was going for what I think would be a killer rock band. And, and so I picked a guy whose drumming style I really like and think would complement the other players that I'll name later, and I think he would actually fit in this band. And that gentleman is Gar Samuelson. And Gar Samuelson, uh, Megadeth fans would know him as being the drummer on their first two records, which is, of course, Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good, and Peace Sells But Who's Buying. And I am. What makes Gar interesting is that when Dave Mustaine was constructing Megadeth, he didn't hire metal musicians to play with him. He hired two guys from a jazz band called the New Yorkers. So he hired these two jazz fusion guys. He hired Gar Samuelson and he hired Chris Poland from the New Yorkers. So he basically added jazz musicians to an early thrash metal outfit. So that's what Gar was. And his first two Megadeth albums are my favorites, even though the rest of the world prefers the latter stuff because I just think they had such a cool kind of off kilter vibe with these two jazz musicians in this thrash metal band. So the music's just way more interesting. And Wikipedia here says uh, of Gar Samuelson, he is considered one of the most influential drummers of thrash metal, having pioneered the incorporation of jazz fusion into the subgenre. And so you'll see when I name my other members why I think he would be a good fit for this band. Um, Gar uh, Samuelson unfortunately passed away a number of years ago. He passed away in 1999 at 41. So he's no longer with us. So we'll have to borrow Gar from heaven for my dream band. Thanks, God, for loaning him out for a few minutes. Thank you, God, for letting us borrow. But you see the common thread there? All the best drummers. Let's just do 30 seconds about the, this, because what you said struck a note with me, so to speak. Um, Keith Moon, 
John Bonham, well, Keith Moon, I'm not so sure about, but I'm pretty sure. John Bonham, Pert, um, Ginger Baker, Gar, what's his last name? Samuelson. Gar Samuelson, Terry Bozio, all of them either jazz-influenced or jazz-trained. And I will tell you the other one that I really thought hard about was Bill Ward from Black Sabbath, and yep. that would fit the same mode, total jazz guy. All the and best if you rock listen, drummers, jazz trained. Yeah, and if you listen to those 1969, 70, 71, those early Sabbath albums with Ozzy, you really hear the jazz of Bill Ward That's right. on those records in a, in a big Every way. one of them, same. Yeah, very cool. Okay. Coming out. So where are we at? Bass guitar? Got to be bass guitar, right? Yeah, I'm I getty. I mean, I have to go... And again, my band is versatility, but I do take your approach that I think that my guys would mold together to make a, and they and they can do anything from like bluesy stone stuff all the way to really complex prog stuff at the same time. But I picked Getty. I can't think of another rock bassist that I like more that could do more than he could. He because think of how they started. And think of where they were in the late seventies. That really spans a wide spectrum of bass playing, and he's he's a fan, and and he's got some good songwriting too. So you've got um, a bassist who's a great bassist, and also he can do some songwriting in that dream band at the same time. Can I ask you a question about that songwriting thing? Ask in, away. You're a big Rush head. That's your favorite band, correct? Yeah, correcto. Everybody knows Neil Peart writes the lyrics. Yeah. So did the music then primarily come from Getty and Alex? That's right. They they generally wrote to. Uh, they didn't always write together, but generally they were like uh, they were like Lennon and McCartney. They did a lot of stuff together, and they did stuff separate. Like on some of their, uh, I think it was a uh, signals. They or was it signals? It was one of those around 1980, around moving pictures where they actually had some stuff written for solo albums that they were going to do, but they chose to put them in that album instead. Oh, cool. So, so they, they write, they've written separate songs, they've, they've written together, they just do, they do both. And so was Neil, like, he, the no chief, disrespect to drummers, but drummers typically aren't songwriters in most bands, unless they're like Don Henley or something. Right. So was he typically just kind of handling, like they would present him the music and then he'd add his thing to it? Yeah, he primarily the lyricist. Then he'd lock himself away somewhere and pen the lyrics. And I, and I have seen that he would work with Getty on the lyrics. I mean, he Getty would have... I. Getty said that you know he would have some input on the lyrics, but then ultimately Neil would write them, present them back to Getty to see you know how he felt about it. So he did have some input on that, but yeah, he was primary the lyricist and writing his own drum parts, of course. Of course, yeah. more yes. on that topic in another podcast. We'll just leave that right there before we yes. talk that to death. Right, right, right. right so, so my bassist, Getty Lee, your bassist. All right. Well, you're going to be. This is. You're going to laugh at this, I think, because it's going to be funny. If it's not funny, haha, it'll be funny, interesting, in that it's completely the opposite. In a band, I view, in, a, in what I think is a, a killer rock band, I view the bass guitar as like, you know how when you're fielding a baseball team, if you're a GM of a major league baseball team, you're assembling a roster, you look at some positions, or like your center fielder's got to be able to hit, right? Yep. And like, First base is a hitting position, right? right? But if you get hitting out of shortstop, it's great, but it's really a defensive position, yeah, right? Right. 
catcher. If you get hitting out of catcher, terrific, but you really need defense out of your catcher, right? right? Any, anything above a 225 average for a catcher is great, in my right. opinion. So if I'm a, if I'm a GM assembling my, my team, my band, I don't need a base player who's going to – I don't need a great base player. I need out of that position, okay, I don't need hitting. I, I need charisma – and I need someone who can write some songs. Bootsy Collins. So, <laughs> so my choice <laughs> for a bass player is Dee Dee Ramone. Now, wow, interesting. So I'm pairing Gar Samuelson and Dee Dee Ramone as my rhythm section, All right. and I actually think it'll work. Now, Dee Dee was an integral part of the Ramones. He was actually one of the main songwriters of all that great. You got it. Yeah. So thank you, Dee Dee. So, but a lot of those old Ramones songs, he was one of the chief songwriters back in the day. So. You know, he is responsible for Rockaway Beach. Bonzo goes to Pittsburgh, nice. um, 53rd and 3rd. So it's like he's he was one of the one of the main dudes. And out of that position, I think if I just get a guy who's going to hold it down, can contribute songwriting ideas and looks cool on stage, I'm happy with that in my bass player. Nice. I, I got to respect that, man. I got to. I have to. Uh, now keep in mind the reason one of the also one of the reasons why I picked Getty Lee is because I think him and Bozio would work well together because really it's drum bass that comprises the rhythm section they have to work well together and I think they could work well together but dude D, that's an interesting selection Didi's also I dead respect that so my band is is they're all dead you got so two far. dead guys so far yeah Yep. And I wouldn't expect anything else coming from you. You probably just, you probably had your list. And if there was anybody alive on the list, you just can't mark them off, right? <laughs> they, they weren't an option if they were alive for you. <laughs> right. So are we going, what, rhythm guitar right now? Is that next? Yeah. I, but we'll talk about that, though. But I, how did DD die? Hold on a second. I'm going to oh, go on yeah, a Yeah, look wiki. that up real quick. Oh, uh, heroin. So my drummer, Gar, died of, uh, he's an alcoholic, so liver disease or uh, cirrhosis, I guess. And now at 41. And now DD died of heroin at how old was DD? He made it all the way to 50. So we've got DD and Gar holding it up. All right. So we need what? We need either a rhythm or a lead player, right? You want to do rhythm first? Uh, sure. All right, so you go first this time for your really? rhythm guitar. Yeah, well, it's going to bounce right back to you because my rhythm section, vacant. What? No no, uh, no rhythm guitar? What are you talking about? Don't need it. The guy I got playing lead will... <laughs> I don't, it's not, not necessary. <laughs> EVH? Are you, are you sure you're going EVH? The, the rhythm guitar position, I really wrestled with it. There were a couple guys that came to mind. You know, obviously, when I think of great rock rhythm guitar, there's Keith Richards, there's Malcolm Young, there's Pete Townsend, there's just many, many who I considered. But I ultimately decided that I want to leave that position vacant. I'm a sucker for three-piece bands, and this is going to be a four-piece because I'm going to have a singer, but I love a three-piece rhythm section. Like, imagine Cream, I'm a sucker for that. Sure. Rush, I'm a sucker for that. Sure I thing. love in a recording. The Police. The Police, but I, what I really love is in a rock band when 
uh, when it's a three piece and the lead guitarist play, takes a lead and then the rhythm section drops out and it's just the bass. And there's just some space there. Yes, I hate you, whenever they go in the studio and dub a rhythm yeah. guitar in there. because I remember like, you saying that you love that space. Yeah, I want to hear the bass and the yeah. drums doing their thing. It's one of the things I love about Vulgar Display of Power is that on the first Cowboys, uh, Cowboys from Hell, they dub in rhythm guitar. Yep. On Vulgar Display, they don't. Nope. And it just drops to Rex and Vinny. Sounds and fantastic. It, it sounds rad. And yeah. I love that. And it's also very Van Halen-like. Sure. And then later on, they went back to dubbing in the rhythm. I hate that. You only have one guitar player. Right. Just let the... Because that's what you're going to hear live. You're not right. going to hear a dubbed rhythm guitar True. live. But we might talk about that in another episode. We might talk about that later. But I just For love... Sure. I'm a big fan of the three-piece sound. So I gotcha. thought, you know what? I want my band to be killer. All right. I want it to work. So I'm just going to leave that that okay rhythm guitar spot i'm gonna put nothing in there no. i nominate no okay one. so you vacant you don't you have a three-piece all right cool so far which means which means your guitar player is also the singer right no i have a four-piece band but i'm just three saying three-piece instrument yes and a, okay yep. all right gotcha okay yep. cool all right so so uh my rhythm guitar player is a guy who i think is super versatile and also great songwriter. P. Townsend. Yeah, that's yeah. I kicked him around. Like yep. I said, I kicked around My P. Townsend, rhythm. Keith Richards, Malcolm Young. I had all those guys in mind. I watched point. the documentary of of the making of Quadrophenia. It was fantastic, man. It was amazing. Er, er, let me think now. Was it... Where'd you see that? A, a lot of it was out. about Quadrophenia. Maybe not all of it was about now that I think about it, but I, I was it. It was like net. I don't know. It was one of the streaming services, I believe. I can't remember exactly, but this documentary was fantastic, man. This guy, I had, I, I underestimated him dramatically until I watched this documentary and then I realized just how fantastic of a he's songwriter he was. He's an amazing rhythm yeah. guitar player. And his rhythm a, guitar shit is for sure. hard. For sure. It's like, I remember watching him years ago. He was promoting a, it's back when Letterman was on. He was yeah. recording some solo thing that he did, but he came on and played, I think he played Pinball Wizard, which has that really fast, like strumming at the beginning. Yep. People just, he is so underrated. I mean, people don't even think nobody of him mentions as, he never him. gets listed in like a greater. <laughs> that's because he, he doesn't play a lot of lead. That's right. He's not a weedily weedily guy. No, so, he's not. But his rhythm guitar playing is sick. Exactly. And it's hard. He, that shit's not easy. All right, Mount Rushmore of rhythm guitarists. He's for sure one of them. Oh, he's got to be on there. Yeah. You know who yeah. also be on there for mine actually. Hmm. Paul Stanley. Yeah, like Paul Stanley's underrated why? too. Because. Yep. Simply, well, he's a great rhythm guitar player. Um, Gets no love. But he completely embraces that he's a rhythm guitar player. Yep. And all he does is promote rhythm guitar playing. Yep. And I, I love that about him. He's yeah. like, I am not a lead guitar. I'm rhythm guitar. I love it. And I want everybody else to love it too. Plus, I it's like, that. hello, old 70s Kiss has to do what? It has to swing. So you're really right. like playing 
rhythm guitar and like an old school kind of, it's got a swing and that takes someone who can feel the rhythm to make that happen. You Detroit know? Rock City is a swinging song. Yeah. Dude. It's got the shuffle. But you got, you got, yeah, it's true. Yeah, you're right. Total shuffle. But there's other, I mean, James Hetfield, obviously, Scott Ian, there's some monster rhythm players in like the thrash world. Oh, for sure. Tony Iommi's like the god of the riff. I kicked around Hetfield for for a minute. I did. He's a sick rhythm guitar player. But yeah, I I love those. I love the fact that you shine a spotlight though on Pete Townsend. And I think that that works with the guys. Like you could hear him playing with Geddy Lee. You yeah, know, you could hear those jangly chords sitting alongside Getty because his band. bass playing gets kind of jangly sometimes because the way he strikes his finger action. Yeah, and you know you could hear you can hear Pete Townsend in some like '80s Rush, you know, and yeah. those jangly Andy Summers chords that, mm-hmm. that Alex came. That's why I picked him. He's super do. versatile and very. <clears throat> he doesn't near get nearly enough credit, man. Like Keith Moon or gets all the love in the yeah hit, and. Townsend gets nothing. Yeah, and John like Entwistle is a sick bass player who probably was a huge influence on Getty Lee because he was a guy who sure. played, he played a lot of notes. A and lot was, like him. Yeah. Styles were similar, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the Who's, yeah, they're a great band. And a it's joke, funny, yeah. as time goes on, it's like it's it's just more and more kind of the Beatles and the Stones over time and it feels like, and Zeppelin, and it feels yep. like the Who is like kind of receding in our collective they, memory it, Nobody talks bit. about them as much as they talk about the bands around yeah. them. Yeah, you hear a lot about all of the other ones in that time period, but you don't hear about them very much. Yeah, all those all. English bands you hear, you yeah. hear about Queen, you hear about Zeppelin, you hear about the Beatles, you hear about the Stones, and it's like, and the Who used to be right there with them, but it feels like time has kind of, you know, taken some of that. Sucks because they're really great. But if anybody wants to check out that documentary, I can't remember, but I'm sure you'll be able to find it. It's freaking fantastic. It was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, my rhythm guitarist Pete Townsend. So right. we're we're over to. You so who do you have in your band so far? So drummers Terry Bozio, yes sir. Bass player Ged, um, rhythm guitar Pete Townsend, and okay. you have Gar Samuelson and D.D. Ramon. But I'm about to add a lead guitar player. You're about to lay it out with the lead guitar. There's going to be no like um, no suspense here. I yeah. am. Continuing with the deceased band members, and I am going right to Eddie Van Halen. I wouldn't expect anybody else out of you. There were other guys. There were. But I sincerely think, think, what bass player did Eddie play most of his career with? Michael Anthony. That's right. Not far from what D.D. Ramone does on the bass. Eerily similar to D.D. Ramone. You know, I mean, you can... right. Listen to running, you know, running with the devil. I mean, it's like DD can handle that. Don't, so don't, don't. So don't, I, I don't. think it works. I think that works, and I think Gar Samuelson and Alex Van Halen have some similarities behind the kit. Gar's coming from a jazz background. We've heard jazzy elements in Van Halen. You can look at any number of. You know, Van Halen records. They did the shuffle better than anybody, in my opinion. They do the shuffle, and and there are certainly those kind of like really sideways kind of lead moments that Eddie has when he's really coming from a uh, a different place, and so when he's doing his alien his, his alien moments on guitar. So I think this band works almost a lot like the original Van Halen. I'm feeling so it. Far, I am. So. I you're reconstructing Van Halen ish, except with different dead people. Yeah, I mean, listen to like the 
like I said, I always talk about the fade out on Drop Dead Legs when Eddie's solo in that. It's just so rad and it's so Dude, we out could there. probably talk about you 12 know? hours on Van Halen so, and him. Yeah, so I think I think this band so far, and Eddie, another one is to see, so I don't have anybody alive in my band. Your band is tasty so far. But this is I'm also, say that. but when you have Eddie Van Halen in there, it's like, this is also why I thought I don't think I can pair him with a rhythm guitar player because he plays rhythm and lead kind of at the same time. You know, some say he was a better rhythm guitarist than he was a lead guitarist. And he fills a lot of space. Really does. So it's like I thought that if I added a rhythm player in there, no matter how competent. That You're it, taking away from Eddie's ability to play rhythm probably better than the guy that is standing next to And we just want to hear Eddie Van Halen at that point. Just plus, all the time. when he takes a lead break, then I get to hear D.D. and Gar. Man, which is going to be like hearing Michael Anthony and Alex Van Halen. Right. Hey, like I said, man, your band is tasty so far. I'm, 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 I can't wait to find out who your singer is. Um, interesting. That's good, man. I like it. I'm all tingly inside thinking about it. All right, roll with it. Who is playing the six string motherfucker in your band? You know, I was throwing around Eddie Van Halen for a long time. Um, and I think my choice might surprise you and i think it's not going to surprise you at the same time if that makes sense paul gilbert oh my god paul gilbert i'll tell you why yeah and he he can play with anybody you that's see right it, watch you watch enough youtube videos and he can. i would have never so back in the 80s 90s aughts okay i never listened to mr big i i i know this that one cheesy ass song that yep. everybody else knows yeah but I never listened to, to him. To Be With You? Is yes. that the name of it? Yeah. I'm the one yeah. who wants to be, be with you. you. Oh, out of key. Oh, terrible. I'm glad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's not do that again. <laughs> um, but I never listened to Mr. Big. And consequently, I had no idea who Paul Gilbert was. Yeah. Until you kind of on accident introduced me to Paul Gilbert via sending me some YouTube links. Yeah. So I started watching Paul Gilbert like 30 years after the fact, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so going back and listening to some of the Mr. Big stuff, like he's your typical 80 shredder, right? Yep. Even has some classical background, I believe. Yep. And so he's gymnastics all up and down, right? But the thing that tipped it for me was his more recent video yep. where he has totally embraced his bluesiness. Yeah. And he is a fantastic blues player with surprising amount of feel so for me feel on a guitar is important my dream band would never have john petrucci in it john petrucci is an amazing guitar player you already know how i feel about john petrucci he's amazing he's got about as much feel as this table does like <laughs> like none he's got no feel whatsoever in fact david gilmore uh. i would pick david gilmore a hundred times over john petrucci because he's all feel yeah. So for me, what I learned about Paul Gilbert was not only how talented he is on the neck, but he's got a sick amount of feel, too, because yeah. his blues is fantastic. So that's a pretty wide range of versatility there. And he's a cool guy because I've seen him talk online, and he seems like a pretty cool dude. So Paul Gilbert's my lead guitar player. Yeah, and every video, he's so personable. Yes. He's so funny. There's no ego. He has every right in the world to have an ego like like an Ingve Malmsteen And he something. looks like he's having a blast. He's having fun. And it's it's funny because he's got, he's got insane chops, but he rarely shows them. He's just happy to play Jimmy Page. He will like, if he so has to. If he has to, but it's like his style has moved so much to the blues and 
I can watch any interview he does on YouTube yep. and be entertained because he's so funny and he's so talented. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. His songs, I mean, he did that Christmas album, Twas, and mm. he did, I watched all those videos of him playing that. Then he had the album before that, Werewolves, I think it was called Werewolves in Portland or Werewolves of Portland. And he just puts these videos up of him playing these songs and they are, he is so good. And in any interview he does, he's like a human jukebox. He'll just sit there and he can just play off the top yep. of his head. Just all these great songs. He's old, like AM, uh, you know, 70s. Everything. Yeah, you know, everything. yacht rock tracks. And he just busts <laughs> right. them out. And it's like he knows everything. Versatile, right? So that's why but, I picked them. Dude, what's so cool now is that he's like added this, like he says he's always used to be a terrible slide player. Yeah. And he's added this slide yeah. element to his playing where he put a magnet on his pit guard. So he just sticks his slide. No to shit, it. Really? And then he can like really quickly switch from finger in and out of finger it. Finger in just and out of the slide. Right off the magnet, right? And he, yeah, and he adds like these really lyrical like slide passages in his playing, yep. which is so cool. I mean, it is like, oh, holy hell. It's like he's added this entire Sick. other element. Yeah. And he's playing slide like that on a guitar in standard tuning. Most players play in like an open G or something. So, I mean, I just love everything about the second half of Paul Gilbert's career. And, and the second half made me go back and investigate the first half. Yep. And the thing, the and one of the reasons why, the final, before we move on, the final reason why I picked him over Eddie Van Halen is because I watched the video, everybody's seen it, I'm sure, of him playing Spanish Fly on an acoustic. Yeah. And he sounds just like Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly, like, like, precisely, right? Yeah. So... I know that Paul Gilbert can, he can play. Do it. He can play everything that yeah. Eddie Van Halen yeah. can play, but I don't think Eddie Van Halen could play the blues like Paul Gilbert does. Yeah. I think that's where he was really limited, in my opinion. I don't think that he. Ha I don't think he could play slow enough. I think his brain was too fast. I don't think he could <laughs> play slow enough, and I don't think he had the right kind of feel to play blues. But there's I know that a, Paul um, Gilbert could do both. There's an album from the 80s. Go ahead and with, kill me, EVH fans, if you want to. Well, there's an album from the 80s with Brian May that Brian May did like a Brian May and Friends record. And it's, I think it's called Starbreakers, maybe? Star something? I can't remember the name. But there is a track on there where Brian May and Eddie Van Halen play together on a blues. Oof. And... I remember reading about it, and you can hear it on YouTube. You have to track it down. I'm sure yeah. I'm butchering the name of the record, but if you just YouTube like Brian May, Eddie Van Halen, it'll come up. It's got like a robot on the cover. You'll see. Right. But, and Brian May's tone is like instantly recognizable. Sure. He's got this really signature kind of unique nope. sound. So when they're trading off leads on it, it's pretty obvious who is who. But Eddie, actually, what I read and this is just what I read on the internet, so take it with a grain of salt, was that he thanked Brian May for the opportunity because he didn't get to play like that very often. And it's really Eddie playing like a straight blues. So it's just really interesting. He can do it, mm. but it just wasn't something in his repertoire yeah. that he he used in in the context of his Van Halen play. Okay, good point. And so it's, but it's there, and you you should look it up and listen to it, but it just wasn't I'll something that he out. did much of. And then, of course, there's that other famous one where he does in an interview where he just rips through crossroads where he he just has the whole thing like memorized and he just blows it out in an interview yeah and it's just fascinating because like he just that's cool he went through that phase when he was learning guitar where he eric clapton was his favorite player where yep. he learned like 
every single, you know, Eric Clapton lick. And here he is from this interview in like the mid eighties. And he obviously hasn't been woodshedding Eric Clapton in like 15 years at that point, but he's able to just blow it out. And it's like, it's all there. It's just just amazing. But to your point though, I don't disagree with you. He was like, if I'm, I, you don't hear kind of what Paul Gilbert became in Eddie Van Halen's playing. Eddie Van Halen had a very specific kind of thing. Yeah. And Paul Gilbert's just morphed into this really. I just think that Eddie Van Halen is, is Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. I just feel like, yeah, it's a thing. I just think Paul Gilbert could play more stuff. Yeah, it's you're right. It is a very specific thing that he does, and that's why players really shouldn't chase him because he he is his. It's his fingers. It's just a specific thing. Yeah, you know the way the guitar came through him was just unique to him. So ultimately, that's why I you know chose one over the other. You blew my mind because it's a great choice, and I'm ashamed to say that I didn't even consider it. And and there's kind of a reason for that, but it didn't cross my mind in all honesty. But as we'll discuss are we doing singers now um yeah you want to go first is it my turn yeah all right the singer for my band is bon scott now you love bon this is i I can't bon scott for your band it works though well for my band i wanted to put together a killer rock band and everyone in my band has deceased um sticking with the theme attaboy it wasn't necessarily intentional but i wanted to put together a band (laughs) i beg to differ on that (laughs) i wanted to put together a band with some not only some chops but i think these four guys could actually make some killer rock songs together i would agree with you on that lineup and i think that they also would be a badass band i kind of use the um band as gang framework all right so i wanted these guys to kind of be a bit of a rough and tumble rowdy gang like if you were gonna see this is a band that you know eddie van halen is famously cantankerous bon scott was a pirate dd ramon was a punk and gar samuelson was you know, there's stories of the Megadeth days where they had trouble keeping him awake on the drum kit. So it was, like, you know, he would be nodding off from heroin on the kit. So I really wanted to put well, together a dangerous rock band. And because that, that's the intangible element that I wanted at play. I wanted these to be guys. Who Subversion, could, danger. I wanted them to be guys who they could go on stage and absolutely blow your head off the and be amazing society or they might not make it on stage at all. You know, like you didn't <laughs> right. know what you were going to get on any given night. <laughs> right. So, First so, you go through like the baskets of balloons everywhere. Then you go past the EVH's mountain of Coke. And <laughs> if you can make it that far, then you might get to the stage. But I do actually think that the band would sound. Yeah, I agree. I together. think your band would your band is sweet, man. The only thing that bums me out though is that we never saw Bon Scott in the 80s. And so this band does because of, you know, DD started in the 70s yeah. and continued on with the Ramones, but it's into the 80s. But you know, so we don't know how Bon voice would have meshed with Eddie Van Halen's more futuristic guitar sound. We heard him with Angus Young, right? Which is a very kind of chuck berry thing and so we didn't really ever hear him with you know whammy bar dives and those kind of 
thing. So, you know, and we certainly didn't hear him in any kind of jazz fusion context. No. But I'm thinking we saw enough of Van Halen just straight rocking and then infusing those other elements in places where they kind of belonged. And so guys like David Lee Roth, who, you know, could sit in that. So I think you could make an argument that Bond could also find a place in those kind of arrangements to do his thing, you know? I like your lineup, man. So that's it. So I have Bond Scott. I like your lineup better than mine. Bond Scott, Eddie Van Halen, D.D. Ramone, and Gar Samuelson. That's a sweet band. Do you want? Do you want to? Since you're pretty good at this, you want to cook up a name for your band? Oh my gosh! Um, now that I did not think of. I um, could me either. I just thought of it. Just not. I'm not going to be able to think of one if you're if you're going to ask me. So. So you know, you could just take the last name route, and I okay. would just call them Scott. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> The Scots. There you go. The Scots. The Scots. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I honestly don't know. I didn't even think about that, yeah. man. I would probably, if I were preparing for this podcast and I knew that was going to be something. I, I didn't. Would, I just thought of it. Like but I, I mean, said. I probably would have cheated and used some dopey online name <laughs> generator just to come up right. with it. So I wouldn't have to Wait, pay any time into it. With a name like your, <laughs> your dog's name and the street you grew up on. Yeah. I can name your band that. <laughs> yeah. Kojak School. <laughs> that doesn't the sound Cleveland very much. Nagora. Mine would be uh, Red 96th. Not that, bad. Not bad. The opposite of a 69. I guess that kind of works. <laughs> Maybe. But I just wanted I just wanted a swaggery, kind of cool, dangerous rock band, you know, with just... And, and I also... Band, you got swag. But sure. I wanted chops. Dripping. I view the drums, but this is seriously, and we're being goofy, but in, in a rock band, I view the drums and the guitar as being the most critical in terms of ability. And Drums then, and who? And guitar. Yeah, uh, for sure. In terms they, of ability. They hold everything together. And then if you have a singer who's okay, as long as he has charisma, you can get by. And the bass player can be okay, but it has to contribute maybe songwriter yeah. or backing vocals or just stage presence and you can get by. But I think that the drums, you got to have a great drummer and you got to have somebody on guitar who can play. In the other positions, you can kind of get personality in there. I don't disagree with you one bit. On it's that, like a baseball sure. team, man. Yeah. You know? You got to have Albert Bell. <laughs> no? Joey. Albert Bell. Left field, right? Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. He was the, yeah. he was the cleanup hitter and yep. wasn't the very great outfielder, so he put him in left field. Yeah, so you could deal with, you know, yeah. So yeah. that's what I got to happen. Remember when know? he threw the baseball into the stands when somebody called him Joey? Yeah, yep, and he tried to run over trick-or-treaters and... Jesus Christ, <laughs> model citizen. <laughs> okay, my singer, Freddie Mercury. I mean... Oh, my gosh. He, he can do everything. He's, in my opinion, the best frontman ever and the most versatile person ever. I actually... Well, sh- versatile for sure. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you were prioritizing versatility... Yeah. I mean, is there anyone more versatile than Freddie Mercury? Like, I think this band could play some dirty-ass blues, and I think they could throw some prog out there, too, if they wanted. I think, and they would sound great doing both. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think of Paul Gilbert with Freddie Mercury. Getty, Pete Townsend, Terry Bozio. It's a super, the ability, the talent level of your band is off the charts. Yeah. Who are the the chief songwriters in that band? Everybody. Are and we gonna really, have? Are, are we gonna? Are we gonna have ego problems? Um, you know, that's a possibility. It's hard to tell. 
Because I'm thinking Freddie's going to be, he's going to come in with big ideas. I think if anybody had an issue. I think Paul can play with anybody. But I think Pete Pete might be the one who's going to be giving you a little toot if he can't get his ideas. I think if it was anybody, it'd be Pete Townsend because he's the biggest prick of the group, for sure. (laughs) I mean, no, I'm not being a, you know, I I mean, I think that's pretty well known that, that he could be a prick sometimes, especially when he was songwriting. I mean, everybody knows that. Yeah. But yeah, I so, think if anybody might have a hard time, it's him. I think, you know, some of the other guys in Queen wrote some of the other songs. And, sure. Yeah. And We Will Rock You, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't even his idea or was it his idea? But the point is, he collaborated with people before and Getty and Alex collaborate. Yep. And Paul Gilbert. He's going to be a team player. He's a team. I've seen, yep. I, you know, I've seen enough candid videos of him on youtube that i think he'd be good to work no ego there if anybody it'd be townsend so it's going to be potentially but that could make a great creative force sometimes you need those kind of guys that has a strong will that, and butting heads to kind of drive a band yeah because because if i'm trying to sell myself to, to pete townsend then i have to just up my game because i know he's going to be a prick about it so i can't give him something to be a prick about true that so yeah so that's our bands. That's my dream band. Like I could have come up with like four or five different dream bands, but this one. My Any th- other singers you considered? Yes, actually. Um, my other one was uh, I. I fought between him and and Ann Wilson actually from Heart. Oh wow! Because I think she's fantastic. She's I'm really a big fan of hers. So the only one you had to pull from the afterlife was Freddie Mercury. That's it. All my other dudes are still alive. So this band could could happen if you're willing to sub in um, Adam, uh, uh, Adam Adam Lambert for Freddie Mercury, and then he could tour with my dream band. Queen was maybe a little more int- interesting with Paul Rogers. Remember when Paul Rogers fronted them briefly? When was that? I don't know. Like, like, like uh, late 90s? Yeah, something like that. I something mean, Freddie like had been gone for a while. I think... Honestly, I think Paul Rogers is one of the most underrated voices in classic agree. rock. But he doesn't have like the powerful, you know, no, range that's of also, a Freddie that's Mercury. That's where I was going. I mean, Adam Lambert's pretty good, man. Like I've heard him do Queen oh, songs. Great. He's yeah. great. He, he can yeah. hit every one of the notes. Yeah, he's great. There's no doubt about he's it. He's fantastic. But see, when you when it. you have a front man like that though that has that kind of ability like Queen did, that yeah. boxes them into that forever. I mean, they have to have somebody that can nail that shit. You have to, you know. And when Adam Lambert can't do it anymore, then maybe they'll get somebody else. Yeah, but by that point, those guys. But those guys are in their what, sixties or seventies? They now. won't be around much longer. No. Yeah. So, so he might. He's probably going to be it for them. Probably be it for them. Yeah, because by the time he gets too old to hit those notes, they'll be in their eighties or. Whatever. Oh my gosh. <sighs> and only the Stones are torn at that age. <laughs> but should they be? Well, More on that in another episode. All <laughs> right. Um, so your dream band, my dream band, I love your dream band. Thank you, love sir. It. I think you did a great job. It's very interesting. I, th- I like the fact that we both took just kind of, um, you know, unique approaches to it, you know? Cool. All right. Next time. Later. Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 
Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. Guys, it was like a mystique. There's no mystique anymore. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock and roll autopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. <laughs>